I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. Good morning, Celtics fans. If you're watching live on Facebook, good afternoon, Celtics fans. Anyway, depending on where you are in the world, it's morning, afternoon, evening. It's always happy hour somewhere, wherever you are. I'm jealous, to be quite honest with you. As usual, I'm your boy, Mr. Adam Taylor, joined by my homie, my compadre, my co-host in crime, Mr. Will Weir. For some reason, I look at Will Bun and I'm always like, is it Will? And then I have to remember, they're like, no, it's Will Weir. Yeah. How are you doing today, buddy? You just come no. back from a trip in uh, LA, huh? I did come back from a trip in LA uh, about a week and a half ago. Now that was uh, I went out there for the Patriots and Chargers game, man. Uh, it was crazy, man. So, so a little little American football background for you, Adam. So, <laughs> LA now has two football teams. As of I think three or four years ago, they had zero. Now they have two. One of which is the LA Chargers, which came from San Diego, and they have quite literally zero fan base. So I went to a game in LA in which it felt like. 70% Patriots fans. So it was a road pl- a road home game, which was pretty pretty cool to see and you were in LA. So it was a, it was a can't lose situation. Man, the last time I was in LA was um the Red Sox were playing the Dodgers in um I think like a final. Was it the World Series? Yeah, yeah, the World, World Series. Series. Yeah, it was 2018, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was the one. Yeah, I remember being at a wedding. I was um I was in Pasadena at the Occidental College, so it's Eagle Rock more than Pasadena and there's like fighter jets flying over and i'm at this wedding i'm the only celtics guy i'm talking to guys like yeah i'll cover the celtics they're like oh well you're in the wrong city i'm like shut up man i'm yeah. in the right city like i'm, I'm out here repping but uh now nah, man i mean i know this is a celtics podcast and we're going to get straight into the celtics talk but before we do i really 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 just want to touch on the wildness that is nikola Jokic versus the Maric brothers or the Jokic brothers versus that. I feel yeah. like setting up for like some WWE type death match. And uh like I get the NBA is this this in, entire soap opera now, but like this is wild to me, right? Uh, how you, what do what's your take on this? Well, first of all, the NBA is the most dramatic sports league, and I love it personally. I mean, we're gonna talk about even some more of the drama when we get into the Celtics here in a minute, because they're part of the drama as well. We've been part of the drama really all of this NBA season, this early NBA season. We've been a big part of it. And dude, I, I cannot get enough of it. Uh specifically with the Jokic and Morris situation the other night. Man, th- like if it, it borderline felt like WWE. Like, I feel like I needed a Jim Ross narration over what was actually happening. Oh, my God. Morris, hip check, Jokic into the stands. Oh, my God. He's got a chair. He's got a chair. <laughs> and, like, it, 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 and it kind of felt like, you know, I mean, and then the and then afterwards, you look at so many things that happen. So you get, you know, initially Morris with a cheap shot. Then you get Jokic comes back with another cheap shot. Back-to-back kind of kind of cheap shots, but also I kind of love it. Like, I, I like the aggression on, on both sides, which has been kind of a theme in the NBA. And then you get Jimmy Butler coming around, doing his clapping thing, trying to get in people's faces. Then you get that just unbelievable picture of the Miami Heat outside the locker room and this you know, big scrub-looking 60-year-old white security guard that's keeping them back is if he could really keep them back if they really wanted to get through that to go, you know, fight with the Nuggets. And then you get the more, and then you get the other Morris brother, you get the Jokic brothers mixing it up on social media. Uh, I love it all, Adam. I'm here for it 
And I would absolutely love to see on Jake Paul's next fight card, whenever that's coming out, Logan Paul, one of the Pauls. Let's get Jokic brothers versus the Morris brothers. Let's make it happen. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, I feel like this is a byproduct of the rule change as well, right? Like, I, I'm all for the, the additional physicality in the league. Like, I grew up on a, like, 90s basketball, you know what I mean? I grew up when it was down low, banging the post, and really get after it. And so, obviously, this rule change has kind of brought some of that physicality in the paint back. Like, if you want your two, you want your easy buckets, you're going to have to work to get there. So, I do feel like that this feistiness, as we'd call it, this kind of, like, this jitteriness between guys is kind of there because they're they're getting frustrated in the paint so i don't i'm definitely all for the the rule change i love the fact that we're not seeing guys just jumping into each other looking to draw fouls now but at the same time i'm like you know that was wild i did not expect to wake up and then like just be scrolling twitter and be like there's a legitimate beef like the last time we had something like this was um was it like when Blake Griffin and those guys went went out the locker room and tried to sneak around the back? Yeah, they, they tried to go through like the tunnel. I can't remember who it was. It was I think it was a player on because it was the Rockets. I think trying to sneak over to the Clippers uh, locker room, if I believe. And I think maybe one of the players used to play on the Clippers or Lakers, or he knew that he knew the arena, and so he knew like another passageway to go. And yeah, yeah, I remember like. Um, I can't remember if I watched that live or this was a clip, but I know the NBA TNT guys were like kind of narrating it in live time, talking about like what they would have done and what's happening. And dude, the NBA, this is part of what makes the NBA, in my opinion, so great is all of this ridiculousness. Like it's legitimately to your point, it's a soap opera, it's reality television, and it's happening every night when you don't expect something of this nature that you need to go running to your phone either when you wake up or in my case as I was trying to go to bed all of a sudden you know I I was just going to casually check Twitter right before I shut my eyes get my eight hours of sleep and at least an hour of that sleep went away because I spent the entire time scrolling through Twitter trying to figure out more about this fight yeah that's my night time anyway I'm like following games without watching games just by the live tweets sometimes which is wild one thing that did drop though while i was awake and i had plenty of time to process things was the ben simmons rumors i found that was quite um quite entertaining Uh, definitely from a commentary standpoint like watching everybody kind of react to these standpoints and if anybody listening doesn't know what these rumors were maybe you've been unplugged for a day or two you know maybe you're just not too much into the social media aspect of the nba i know that's not everybody's cup of tea so Shams, Shams from The Athletic reported that the Boston Celtics were rumored to be interested in Ben Simmons and that the Philadelphia 76ers had set Jalen Brown as basically the baseline in cost. Like, if you want Ben Simmons, that's fine. You can have Ben Simmons, but the minimum we're going to, the minimum, not even the maximum, the minimum, the audacity <laughs> is Jalen Brown. So uh, I've got my feelings on this. I'm not in my feelings about it, but I've definitely got my opinion here. Uh, and I know you you have your opinions. We'll get into that. And then I know you wanted to take a trip into Bizarro World, as you called it, where we can kind of explore what we would be willing to see to make it a palatable deal. So I'll let you take it away with exactly where your thoughts are with this to begin with. Laughing. Comical. Like... I don't know, Daryl Moore is smoking something. I don't know what he's doing. But no, I mean, in reality, this is this is what it is. Like, was there a, is there a conversation that has probably happened between the Celtics front office and the Sixers front office? Probably. There's probably one that the Sixers have reached out to to every team. And there's probably every team, as Ben Simmons' trade value keeps going lower and lower, or it 
you know, it is to everyone except Daryl Morey, who really wishes that this was still about 18 months ago. You know, everyone's probably checking in. So is there probably interest? Yes. Once the com- once Daryl Morey brings up Jalen Brown, is the interest probably ending? Once again, yes. So, I mean, it's comical. Like, the, the way that I really look at it, Adam, is last year, if the Celtics really wanted to put themselves, you know, out there and in the mix with, you know, moving Jalen Brown for somebody, James Harden was out there. And we, we've seen that that was not going to happen. You know, Brad Stevens, even though he wasn't the one who was Danny Ainge in charge, and now Brad Stevens is the president, you know, he was still involved in that decision. Like, if you're not going to move Jalen Brown for James freaking Harden, who's, you know, I get not having the best start to the year, but it's still James Harden. It's MVP James Harden, Hall of Famer James Harden, all, you know, all-star, all-NBA James Harden. If you're not going to move Jalen Brown for James Harden a year ago, and Jalen Brown's only continued to get better, you know, follow my math here, we're not going to then trade him for a lesser player who's at a significantly less value. So to me, it's just, you know, like I said, it's comical. There's zero chance in a one-for-one scenario in which Daryl Morey is trying to, I mean, this is Daryl Morey 101, just putting stuff out there, trying to act like Ben Simmons still has that level of value in which Jalen Brown and Dame Lillard and guys of that nature, Brad Beal, are realistic possibilities. That ship has sailed a long, long time ago for Ben Simmons without without the Sixers being the ones throwing in a lot of extra stuff to try and make that happen. So, you know, it's I don't think it I don't think it has any type of reality to it. Um, but interest, of course, and you know, we'll talk about maybe if there's another way to make it happen. I don't know, but um, but yeah, it's it's pretty comical to me. What do you think, Adam? I mean, I'm calling this the intersection logic so you know when you stand you're sitting at an intersection and you like um maybe not an intersection you're trying to turn into traffic right so you, you you're edging a little bit i don't know if you guys have this there oh, i have it here a bunch you're edging a little bit seeing mm-hmm. if somebody's going to slow down and let you out right so you edge they move they keep driving you edge a little bit more they keep driving and this is down more i'm just going to keep edging into territory where i feel like the value is and eventually somebody's going to give me the, the light of day and I'm going to try my hardest to, to just get everything I can from those guys. And obviously with Brad Stevens being kind of wet behind the ears in the role that he's doing, he's he's a prime target. You know, it, It's easier to finesse somebody that's new to a job than it is a veteran. That's why rookies get finessed all the time on the floor. So I understand that. From my standpoint, like, Maury's also recognized something that's very key here, and that's that the Celtics need a true creator, a true facilitator. Um, obviously, Udoka's very much building this team on defense, and Simmons is going to come in, and as much as as good as the defense can be, as good as that defensive ceiling is, Simmons can improve that, but not at the expense of Jalen Brown. Like, uh, my outlook on it is this Ben Simmons is going to give you a completely great amount of room pressure. He's going to improve your defense, but your floor spacing is already an issue. Outside of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, you have two low-usage shooters on the bench that aren't getting minutes. Why on earth are you going to take one of those guys and say, here, give me another one that doesn't want to shoot the ball? It just doesn't make sense to me. You want to add Ben Simmons to a Jalen and Jason? That's a different story. All of a sudden, I genuinely think you're you're in the mix to really get like go for a deep playoff run, possibly even end up in the comfort um in the finals because Ben Simmons would create look Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have not played with somebody with the passing ability of Ben Simmons like ever. Like that's the type of level of um shot creator that he is. But under no circumstances is a Jalen Brown for Ben Simmons trade even 
on the stratosphere of logical. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really hard to wrap your mind around. But but back to a point that you you had made about, uh, you know, Brad Stevens being new to the job, wet behind the ears, as, as you put it, which I really like that phrase. You know, it, this is the type of team, you know, and we talked about the NBA is dramatic, right? There's just drama every night. Celtics have been a part of it. We've already had team meetings. We've already had players call each other out. We've had coaches call out players. Uh, you know, we have had a fan base that's clamoring for for new lineups. And, you know, this is the type of situation, though, that Daryl Morey is looking for, where there's a little bit of underperformance. You're underperforming your expectations. And so he's trying to just keep his name, keep the Simmons name, keep, keep that value or whatever he can muster up from that value because it just keeps – dwindling and dwindling and dwindling and try and keep it in the news but try and bring it in a way to to a team or to a scenario in which he may be able to still get the most value out of it i think this one's going to be a swing and a miss and it's probably mostly a, a, a fake headline in which he's just trying to drum up interest but it's a it's a valiant effort from daryl Morey. i'll say that yeah i mean credit where credit due i mean it takes a lot of guts to enrage two fan bases like that <laughs> Like, because if I'm a Sixers fan, I'm like, the last time we took anyone from the Celtics, it was Al Horford. That didn't work out well. If I'm a Celtics fan, I'd be like, I don't want anyone from the Sixers. Do you know what I mean? So Should we should we do an Al Horford for a Ben Simmons trade? No, I feel like that's unfair on Al. I really like Al Horford. I know, I know. I I'm sorry, Al. I didn't, I didn't mean that. I, didn't mean I wouldn't that. do that to him, to be quite fair. Like, and then, like, I've kind of come to the conclusion that Ben Simmons gets a really short end of the stick in fan media. Like I do think he's an exceptionally talented player. Um, definitely, if he came in alongside Tatum and Brown, as I just said, he would elevate this team to levels we haven't seen them at. But at the same time, I genuinely believe the type of trade package that Philadelphia are going to end up getting is more along the lines of what the Lakers paid for Russell Westbrook where you get a bunch of flippable veterans that are all decent within their own right, but they're also very cost-controlled and very trade-easy, along with one guy that is considered kind of like a high ceiling or like a high potential mm -hmm. dude that just needs a new environment, right, which is Kyle Kuzma in the Wizards, um, in, in this scenario for the Wizards. But then you look at the Celtics and what they can actually offer, like that, if that's the type of deal that... Philadelphia really kind of end up getting pitched by all these other teams. The Celtics can't be in that conversation anyway because the young guys that would be enticing haven't had the time to build their own trade value. Kyle Kuzma was a rotation piece on the championship team. You can't say the same about Romeo Langford, Aaron Neesmith, Peyton Pritchard. None of them have that value. The only one that does or possibly does is Robert Williams, but why are you going to take a deal centered around Robert Williams when you've got Joel Embiid? It's just not going to happen. And Brian Rubb put this in, a, in an article he did yesterday for Mass Live, uh, and he was like, the only way it's realistically going to happen for Boston to keep Brown and acquire Simmons is to bring in a third team, but the Celtics don't have the draft capital or the, again, no no young guys who have built enough, up enough trade value or cachet in the league to really entice the third team in getting involved. So it's just not happening at that point, in my personal opinion. Yeah, I'm with you. I just don't think there's there's a roadmap to it. And then on top of that, you have the complications of the salary. You have to find a way to match that salary as well. And so you have Rob Williams, who really his uptick in salary, which isn't definitely not great enough to match Simmons doesn't start till next year. Uh, same thing with smart and his contract. If you were to do a Rob Williams, Marcus smart and some future picks like, and I feel like that, that deal can easily be topped elsewhere in the league. Like, I don't know. There's, there's, there's just not a lot of ways to get it done uh, without Jalen Brown, which they shouldn't do. But 
Are you brave enough, Adam? Can, can we go to Bizarro World for a minute here? Uh, I'm I'm willing to go to Bizarro World. Um, let let do this. Take you lead me. Take my hand. <laughs> I feel like this is. Uh, we need to like insert like a disclaimer here. Like the next segment is not the actual thoughts of Adam Taylor or Will Weir. This is a purely hypothetical and theoretical moment in which Daryl Morey actually has trade value with Ben Simmons. This will never actually happen. Doom doom. And then we can kind of like go into it here. So. Once again, I don't think this will ever happen, but I'm just I'm just curious. I want to take a little temperature check with you here, Adam, because you even tweeted out, you know, like, I don't think this is going to happen. I'm not for this to happen. But crazier things have happened that we said would never happen. And then they do. You know what I mean? So let's just let's just let's just let's just go down this road for a minute. So I have two different deals. You tell me what you're thinking. So you mentioned that JB for Simmons, one of the issues is that we already don't have enough shooting. You know, so now we're adding in a guy that that doesn't shoot at all. Never mind, just can't shoot, won't shoot. And so, what if what if this were the deal? Now, there's going to have to be some salary that's thrown in here as well. So I'll, I'll add that in. But JB plus the salary to make this match, and the Celtics receive Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, and a 2024 first round pick. I was reading a comment, and John, if you're still watching, please stay involved because I want to get back to your comment. Please, re- please, re- please repeat that for me, Will. Yeah, I got you, man. So here's Bizarro deal number one. Jalen Brown, plus the salary to make it work. So sprinkle in your Wanchos, sprinkle in your Jay Rich or your Bruno Fernando, Enos Cantor, Grant Williams, whatever it may be. And in return, the Celtics will get Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, and a 2024 first-round pick. I don't think that's enough. Okay. that's that's, that's This is what I'm getting. This is what I'm saying. It starts to get really complicated. Even, even if... Daryl Morey and Philly acknowledge that they're the ones without leverage and they're starting to add on, it's going to be difficult to get there. So you, so you, and I would agree with you. I I don't think that's enough for me to, to really do it, but I think it's getting closer, but it's not enough. Right. Yeah. And I think that like one of the main things for me is in any package that brings Simmons, I need Seth Curry attached. And that's just, I just don't see that happening. I also think like, um, I think there's players on on the Celtics that the Philadelphia 76ers are deeming unacquired, like untradeable for them. Like they're not going to want no part in Jay Rich again. They're not going to want of no course. part in Al Horford again. They're not going to want no part in Robert Williams. They've already got Embiid. So like three guys are clear off the board straight away, right? Juancho is not going to get it done. He's not even getting minutes now. Like there's so many guys that for me like just don't move the needle enough that without adding one of these stars. It's it's just not getting done, and unfortunately, yeah. I'm just not willing to add one of the two guys. Yeah, no, I mean, this is the point of where the Celtics right now are dealing from a spot of leverage. So it's like if you if you were going to make this deal, you're really going to make it worth our time. So here's the second Bizarro deal, which which has a bit of an option route to it as well. And I want you to see if we could get to a point where you would have to say, okay, I have to sit down and consider this. So. JB plus salary. That's the, you know, the salary part you can figure out. You will figure out who those players are. But in return, the Celtics get Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Tyrese Maxey, and or Matisse Thibel, or you can turn that into multiple oh, first round picks. Oh man, don't where, do this where, where do we have to pick and choose to get to a point oh, where you're like, you know what? I don't, I'm not yeah, saying yes, but I have to have a deal. meeting. Yeah. So so that's so that's the line. That's my that's the my point of what I'm getting to is where 
the Sixers have lost so oh, much leverage that now they're paying almost to get rid of Ben Simmons. But what's the line that it gets to for a team like the Celtics and a player of Jalen Brown's caliber that you have to say, okay, if I'm getting Ben Simmons, I'm getting Seth Curry, I'm getting one of, let's just say, Maxi or Thibel, and then I'm getting a first-round pick, that's something I have to consider. That's kind of the line or the area that you're thinking, right? Yeah, I mean, because then you're bringing in shooting, you're bringing in a bigger version of Marcus Smart in Maxi, and then you're bringing in Ben Simmons that is going to give you all NBA-level defense, but with size, can play the one through five, really, can distribute the rock, can add pressure to the rim. It still hurts, though. And again, look, this this segment is hypothetical, <laughs> hypothetical moment and does not reflect our true thoughts. Right, I want to get to this. Oh, that's a tough one, man. You've really made me think about that. It's a bizarre world, man. It's a bizarre world. Like, let's have a look at this then. So we've got John on Facebook. For anybody listening on the podcast, for anyone on Facebook, make sure you follow the podcast on Apple or Spotify. We release episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And this one, like the, the Facebook ones, we are trying to make them more engaging. We do actually dive into a lot of X's and O's and like proper basketball talk, but this is fun. So we've got one here, Smart, Jay Rich, and Romeo for Halliburton healed and Ramsey. I feel like that's far too little to get anything involved in Halliburton, and I wouldn't touch Buddy Heald with a barge pole, but we can get back to that in a moment. Ooh, let's come back or, on that. Or JB and Rub, instead of Smart and Jay Rich for Cat and Edwards, which again, there is no way on earth that Minnesota ever, ever deal Cat and Edwards in the same package. The likely possible, maybe one of them, but no, Edwards is a, is a borderline superstar in the making. Kyle Anthony Towns is a top three, top four center in the NBA. You're not getting that for Jalen Brown and Robert Williams. I don't like, there's literally no, you'd have to find a leprechaun at the end of a rainbow for that to happen. And I would be very happy if it did happen. What, what, but here's what got me intrigued. If I had to choose between both of these deals, understanding the rest of the roster remains the same. Which of these two deals makes more sense? Halliburton, Hild and Ramsey? Or Cat and Edwards. Now, obviously, it has to be Cat and Edwards, right? So I feel like that's lopsided. So let's look at it like Halliburton, Heald, and Ramsey. Mini is still a lottery team. Okay, so Minnesota, realistically, are probably a playing team this year. They're actually quite good. And Anthony Edwards is legit. There is no way yeah. that Jalen Brown for Anthony Edwards would ever be fair in terms of well, it would be fair, but well, that would be fair. Ball. I mean, Minnesota would do that deal. I think, yeah, I think they would not, do that. If it involves Carl Anthony Towns as well. Yeah, no, I think if anything, Minnesota's looking to add to Cat and Edwards, and then and then build from that. I mean, if they could, yeah, I, the, the JB and Rob for 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 Cat and Edwards, I, that that one I just don't see. Had that one's just that's just that one's too out there. I like the idea because there's a lot of talent on on that entire deal. So I, I I don't I don't know about that one, but the, I want, let's go to the Sacramento one again because the Sacramento one I I think is interesting. I think you're right. They're not giving up Halliburton, and I, and I want to know more about your Buddy Heald talks. I actually would really love Buddy Heald for the Celtics. Heald's a guy that when we had a lot of our TPE talks last year that that kept coming up. Him and Harrison Barnes, you know, were, were two guys, and Harrison Barnes having a phenomenal start to the year. But Buddy Heald, as as, as desperate as we are for shooting, I'm surprised that he's a guy that you said you wouldn't touch because he's absolutely a guy that I think you know when I look at the Lakers right now who essentially had Buddy healed and then decided to forego that at the last minute to pull off the Russell Westbrook trade. I think the Lakers are in far better position if they have Buddy healed as opposed to Russell Westbrook and they kept maybe one or two out, out of the, you know, Harrell, Caldwell Pope, 
Kuzma group. They could keep one of them and then also have Buddy Heald. I think the Lakers are in far better position than they than they are right now because Russell Westbrook does not look great. But then again, he does this a lot and he'll have he'll have a run at some point where he looks really good. But Smart, Jay Rich, and Romeo for Halliburton, Heald, and Ramsey. Halliburton's the the biggest prize in that deal. <sighs> you know, I mean, I feel like I should draft in a Kings expert to answer this, and I have one of them on tap. <laughs> so I'm, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go on um like a, a a phone a friend mission right now. One so anyone that's used to this show, uh, I'm gonna hit up Brendan, my friend Brendan. He's credentialed media with the Sacramento Kings, follows them closely. He's also one of the main reasons I am not in on um healed. So let's have a look at this. So let me hit up Brendan. So it's we do we doing a live Smart. call here. Uh, I can put him on the call if he answers. <laughs> I can put him on the call if he answers. I mean, for me, Heald's all offense. Like he's gonna give you, he's gonna get you freeze, but he's not gonna give you any defense. He's not gonna give you anything in terms of like playmaking. He's just a spot up shooter, and while that makes sense in stretches, I just don't know if that's everything that I want from the guy. Well, let me throw this to you, Adam. So I looked this up earlier today. Uh, I looked it up at three-pointers attempted per game that are labeled as wide open, according to NBA.com statistics. Six-plus feet. The defender is six-plus feet away from you. How many are the Celtics getting per game? Right now, they're getting just over 19, 19.3 per game. That's good. You know what? That's top six in the league. Do you want to know what's really bad, though, is that they shoot 32.6% on them. Okay, so bear with me one moment. So, Brendan, say hello to everybody that's listening. Hello. So, we're on a live episode of uh, Celtics Pod right now, and we've had somebody on um, Facebook send over this trade up, uh, trade request, like trade opinion, what would we call it, hypothetical. So, the, the one that's been sent to us is Marcus Smart, Josh Richardson, Romeo, whatever draft, um, whatever draft capital you'd want as well. But the return is Halliburton, Heald, and Ramsey. So Marcus Richardson and who? And Romeo, but you can swap in and out Romeo for Neesmith or whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, it would take a whole lot of firsts. I just don't <laughs> think that the Kings want to move on from Halliburton. Uh, like Walton was saying in a post-game presser recently that they want Halliburton's uh, energy and play style to really infect the rest of the team and, and they want to have his sort of energy um, about them. Like I, I think Halliburton is just too much of a focal piece for the Kings. Yo, Brendan, this is Will over here, man. How's it going? Uh, oh, you can't hear me. All right, Adam, Adam, ask, ask our guy, Brendan for me. What's the, what, what's the, what's buddy heels going price right now? Cause I am curious to know about that. What's but what's the going great? What would you say is the the going great just to acquire Buddy Hills right now? Buddy is, I think, a whole lot more acquirable. I mean, if you were talking Marcus Smart for Buddy, I mean, I almost think even that straight up is reasonable. How much Marcus just is starting a four year, right? Yeah, so it's a four year contract extension. Yeah, doesn't kick in until next year, but yeah. 
Yeah, so yeah, that Will has a good point. So it'd be next year. So if you traded for Marcus this year, it would be a poison uh, pill. Got it. Right, and that Buddy would be expiring next year. I think about eighteen million. Um, I mean, personally, I would swap the two straight up. I don't know if that's yeah. I, I think that most Kings fans would probably agree with that, especially just considering the length of contract difference. I feel like most Celtics fans would disagree. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's a hard one. That's a tough one. Yeah. I have to think about the that one The only issue more. from Sacramento's point of view is that when they're losing Buddy, they, they can't take back a guy that is just a non-shooter. I was um, thinking about that, too. spacing, at least like average level spacing from whatever guy they bring in rather than a negative. Like, I would still take Marcus no matter, uh, but... Yeah, I mean, spacing would be a concern if they move on from Buddy. But I, I do think that Buddy's definitely on the market. I appreciate you, man. I'll hit you once I finish this episode. I just wanted to get um, a, a phone-a-friend moment going on. Yeah, sounds good, man. Appreci- I'll talk to you later. Appreciate you, dude. Later, guys. Bye. Okay, so we kind of got a little bit off track there, but it was nice <laughs> to bring on Brendan. So moving on, I mean, moving on, we did have this whole like idea laid out and then it just kind of got a bit wild. We definitely took a trip down Bizarro World. We're now returning. So I think <laughs> what I think, like, look, we'll, we'll stay on these trades for like two more minutes because I do have like some up on the screen right now saying, if not Jalen Brown, then who? And I think we're answering that. The only other option you have, uh, if you're dead set on Jason Tatum being off the table, which you should be, like that yep. should be the unequivocal first port of call is Jason Tatum remains untouchable. Then the only real tradable asset you have is Marcus Smart or Robert Williams. Now, both them, both of them have signed extensions, which means both of them are poison pill eligible. Um, and what that means is basically, if you trade them before the extension kicks in, you can only take back salary worth the value of their current contract while the team they're going to has to have the the salary like the cap space to acquire them for the value of that extension so it's it's very much a uneven kind of salary matching so say smart was on 5 million and now his extension is going to be 10 just for like you know clarity then the Celtics could only take back 5 million in salary but the Kings in this instance would need to have cap space for 10 million coming in and that just makes things a lot more difficult and again, that's part of the problem with the way the Celtics have done business this summer is that everything was geared up for next offseason, having flexibility next offseason or in the January when guys like Richardson are available, when guys like, um, who else did they sign? Schroeder would be available mm-hmm. to be traded then. So a lot of flexibility around January, even more in the summer. But as for like a, a, a blockbuster, earth-shattering trade like that, if it's not including Jalen Brown, which it shouldn't, then it's not happening. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's the you know that's the real truth of it. I think the the type of guys, and to, to Brendan's point, who just joined us here, you know, a guy like Buddy Heald is more available. And even if you're not trading Marcus Smart, if, if they're looking to move off him, can you put together you know Romeo Neesmith? Maybe not both of them, but you can use the Wancho salary. You can use the Josh Richardson salary. You can sprinkle in some picks and maybe get a guy that can be not not necessarily you're not getting a star by any means, but you're getting some form of a role player. And, you know, I think that's really kind of the the top tier on in, within the trade market that the Celtics are going to be able to do is, is get guys that are role players that are maybe on teams that either 
don't have a use for them anymore, or maybe it's a older player on a team that's going through a rebuild and they want to grab a draft pick. Uh, those are going to be the type of players that the Celtics have to target. They're not going to really make uh, a truly impactful star move unless it's really involving Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, which, in my opinion, they should not. Which leads us on. It leads us on. I feel like we've done a good 20 minutes on trade talk, and that's m- probably the most trade talk I've had since last February during the trade deadline, to be quite honest with you. It's something I try and steer clear of a lot of the time, but it's definitely fun to venture into from time to time. But as you can see on the screen, I definitely want to talk some Jason Tatum. I think uh, Tatum's had arguably, in my opinion, the roughest start to a season that he's had since he's been in the NBA. I think in terms of like... um lack of consistency, inability to finish around the rim. The struggles that you've seen from him are very much, in my opinion, the the most he's had to go through in his young NBA career. Part of that being due to the increased physicality, carrying a bit more muscle on that frame, having to just learn how to maneuver his body a bit more in traffic while absorbing contact and not getting the foul calls. And then I think the other part of it is as well, and I don't know if you agree with me here, which is kind of where I want to kick this off, is up until this season, there's always been a veteran with a higher, not not a higher cachet in the league, but a higher a higher status, right? Mm-hmm. That you know, it was first it was Kyrie Irving, and then it, and Gordon Hayward. Then Kyrie leaves, and it's Hayward and Kemba. Then Hayward leaves, and it's Kemba. Now it's kind of like right. There's no other big name in front of you right now. Like you are the guy that has to lead this team from start to finish. You are the guy. You and Jalen, and I think that that weighs heavier on him than what maybe people expected it to just because of what they've been through as a team and him as an individual over the years and he spoke about his struggles obviously during the press conference after the dallas game and we can get into that in due course but i definitely want to just get your thoughts on do you think tatum's struggles are just there's a very big weight on his shoulders at the moment you know, he has to create more for others. He's doing things he's never really been asked to do. Udoka wants a different shot profile. And and plus, you are now the guy that you can't defer to a Kemba Walker anymore. You know, people are deferring to you. That's now your role. And now it's kind of like, this is Tatum's world. We got to live in it. Do you think that's been part of what's caused a, a difficult time for him to start the year? Heavy is the head that wears the crown, you know, to your point, Jason Tatum. Like, and this is something that I've, I've thought about a lot. And, you know, when people on social media will be like, man, he's already been to two or three, uh, you know, Eastern Conference finals, whatever it is. And it's like, yes, that is that is that is a fact. You can't take that away. And he's performed well in them. But there is a big difference from being the guy going to the Eastern Conference, leading a team to the Eastern Conference finals or to the finals or into the playoffs or whatever it may be or throughout a season. They're all different aspects of what it is to, to be a leader. So do I think part of it's weighing on him for sure? And I mean, I think one of the things that that I look back at is in his third year, you know, second year was a little bit stagnant. That was a lot due to the Kyrie and the just the mess of a season that that was. And then you look at his third year where it was a little inconsistent, but you saw growth. And then once he was named to the all-star team, which was, I think something that was really important to him in that third year, he took off. And so, you know, I do think these are things that Jason Tatum thinks about things that wear on Jason Tatum a little bit. And he's been kind of a historically slow starter, you know, in the, in the first couple handful of games throughout a season. And then there's usually a point from which he just kind of takes off and he goes on these stretches that, you know, that make that, that are the reason that we all believe he could be an MVP candidate. He could be a scoring, he could win a scoring title one day where he makes the game look effortless. And just like he did towards the end of last year when he was dropping 50 point games, 60 point games, 40 point games, and it felt like a regular occurrence. So 
I definitely think it's something that that's wearing on him a little bit. I do. I am curious to see how he responds over this next week or two without Jalen Brown. So I think this will be a very interesting test for him where he doesn't have JB to necessarily lean on. Um, and so he's going to have to find a way to do all those things that you mentioned, be a playmaker, be a leader, be someone that can, you know, even if his shot's not going, find a way to contribute, whether that's getting to the line, whether that's being a rebounder, being, you know, a defensive presence. He's going to have to find a way to really step up over these next two weeks. Because one of the things that in the short-term goal of the Celtics season that's really important is getting to 500. They're starting to get a little bit of separation of the standings, and the Celtics are on the backside of that. So they need to make sure that that separation doesn't get too far ahead of them this early in the season. I mean, you bring, you bring up a point that's kind of been fresh in my mind for a few weeks now, or at least the last 10 days or so. It's Jalen Brown's not going to be available for the next week to two weeks, but that's when we see the best version of Jason Tatum, when he's the spearhead, when he's the tip of the arrow, right? When It's when it's him and Brown that Tatum struggles or Brown struggles. If there's no no Tatum, Brown, Brown is that spearhead and he thrives. No, Brown and Tatum thrives. And I wrote about this probably to start the month where the need for them to, to learn to have like a symbiotic relationship and work in tandem and play off of each other rather than with each other is it's accentuated this year because those two guys are, you know, heavy are the heads that wear the crown, great power, great responsibility, wear Spider-Man. At. Like it, it's that type of mentality for me. We, get over here we're scorpion but like it's that mentality for me and i think that another part of the reason just circling this bringing this kind of full circle why Dal maury threw Jalen brown's name into the hat was to see how much he could shape things up there and you know this isn't an observation that nobody else has noticed everybody knows that if one of jay or jay one of the jays aren't playing the other one usually steps his game up and I just think that that's something else. Like the, the more if Tatum does, and we hope he does because the Celtics rely on him. But if he has like a breakout two weeks now and really kind of like leaves that struggle in the past and goes on like some 30, 40, 50 game runs, 50 point game runs, sorry. And then Brown comes back and the struggles begin again. Well, that's just going to set the, the entire wheels in, in motion. And that concerns me as well. And Maury knows exactly what he's doing there and kind of he's sure. picked his moment perfectly. Because those those seeds have been planted now where people will watch Tatum and if he flourishes and then struggles, well, now it's we're back to that narrative of Jalen and Jason can't play together. And I, I'm not there yet, but I'm certainly closer to that now than yeah. I was 12 months ago. You know? Yeah, Moore, Moore is essentially planting those seeds of doubt. He's finding those teams that are, you know, underperforming expectations, looking at the Celtics, looking at, you know, ironically enough, I think the Atlanta Hawks are a dark or dark horse team for for a guy like Ben Simmons. Looking at a team like the Portland Trailblazers, who I've maintained, I think, are the always the team that makes the most sense for a Ben Simmons trade. Not with not for Dame Lillard, though. Like, I think that's what Daryl Moore is doing right now is he's trying to put his feelers out there of like, who are these teams that are going to hit? I don't want to say a mode of desperation, but you know, a breaking point where they're like, hey, maybe we need to look in the mirror and re-examine what our plan is and maybe pivot to this new Ben Simmons route. Now, it doesn't sound great to me, but desperate times call for desperate measures. And like I said, I don't think we're there yet. I don't think a lot of teams are there yet, but Maury's trying to plant those seeds and wait for the right time before he can go ahead and, and pick those plants and make those moves. And I think that like this isn't for me just about Ben Simmons or Maury or Jalen Brown for that matter. This to me is more along the lines of my biggest concern at the moment is figuring out can Jalen and Jason play together? And the answer should be yes. But I think one of the things that we're realizing now is that as much everybody's been like, we need a point guard, we need a point guard. 
we're getting the best version of Jalen and Jason when Dennis Schroeder's running that offense because Schroeder's creating, he's creating, it's organized chaos. And you need somebody like it, Schroeder's not the best ball, the best passer. He's not the best shot creator in terms of creating shots for others. As an individual creator for himself, he's fantastic. But if you could bring in somebody that is more of a distributor, like um, could you imagine Prime Rondo on this roster with Jalen and Jason feeding off him? And this is where people that I, are I miss, pro- I miss Prime Rondo so much. But that's what the that's what in my head that's what the Celtics need right now. They need somebody that's just going to penetrate and kick, penetrate and kick. And unfortunately, the best name to use is Ben Simmons. But you, you need you need Brown and Tatum both there to make that work. Then you've got that full arrowhead, right? That's why I was so big on bringing in Ricky Rubio during the offseason. I thought that he would have been prime example of somebody that could help. But until that happens, we're going to see these guys struggle because they're still figuring out how to be playmakers, how to create for others. You see it with Tatum. Some games he shows flashes of great court vision. Processing speed looks very much improved in terms of understanding, reading, and reacting to double teams. Same for Jason Brown. But then we have games where Tatum's throwing the ball off Alonzo Ball's foot, trying to do a simple wraparound pass. They're not there yet. And this is where my biggest concern is, look, they need to get there before people give up on them as a, as a duo. And I think that's where the imbalance is starting to come from. Yeah, and then it gets back to some of those trade talks about how do we fix some of the things around here. And then once again, we'll also get back to something we beat like a dead horse is some of these rotations and lineups that Ime is using. Uh, you know, I tried getting this out there when we were bringing in Brendan, but one of the things that, you know, when Jalen Brown and when Jason Tatum have been passing out of double teams, you know, a lot of times that's to a guy that's with an open three-point shot. So I just want to reiterate some of the, the stats that I was trying to get out earlier here. So right now, the Celtics actually rank sixth in the league in the amount of open three-point shots they're getting. So that means the defender's at least six feet away. They're getting 19.3 of those a game. They're only hitting 6.3 of those for a rate of 32.6. That puts them fourth worst in the league. So they're getting the sixth most amount, but they're making the fourth least. That's something, that's a recipe that can't last. And that's, you know, I don't, we don't need to go down this road again, Adam, but this gets back to our whole calling of we need more shooting. We need Neesmith. We need a little bit of Pritchard. We need something to help balance these lineups so that when we are passing out, you know, we're actually converting them into buckets. And this is, again, it's the spacing. It's the low usage scorers that can come off the bench and provide floor spacing for you. And I just genuinely don't think the Celtics have enough of that. You either need one guy that's incredibly elite at it, like an elite shooting role player, Seth Curry being a prime example, or you need numerous guys that can score 35 to 38% that don't need the ball in their hands a lot. Neesmith looks like he could be one of those guys. And I said this on a podcast I was a guest on yesterday. A lot of people are like, Pritchard as a point guard doesn't work. Well, most of his minutes last year came at the two. And he was operating in an off-ball role as a catch-and-shoot guy for a large portion. And if someone tried to run him off the line, then he'd put the ball on the floor and do what he needed to do. He's being run primarily at the one this year. I, I genuinely believe that if you're worried about Pritchard's defense, where you run a switch-everything system, you switch him onto a big, get him to run a veer back, then scram him out of there, hide him in the corner. It's like, you know, we saw Stevens do very similar things with Isaiah Thomas for multiple years and be highly successful. With Kemba, too. Yep. We're asking for good point. We're asking for Udoka to do this for 8 to 12 minutes a night with Peyton Pritchard that is very feisty yeah. and will fight on defense. I don't understand why the two best low-usage scorers aren't getting minutes. And then you have other guys like Josh Richardson that, in my opinion, 
gives you quite a bit, but also could be very well replaced by another guy that could shoot. You know, there's, I've always been very big on Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood gives you a little bit of scoring. It's volume. He needs volume to be efficient. But at the moment, the volume's there. It's the, it's the conversion that's not. And this is my biggest concern at the moment. There's just not enough spacing. And I just feel like there's an unwillingness to go out there and take a risk by flipping a couple of your mid-rotation guys to, to acquire the spacing you need to really open the floor up for Tatum and Brown. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this enough. I don't want to go all the way down here, but this is where I would, to me, when you know we're talking about those trades again, this is where, I'm for me, Buddy Heald, you know, even though he's not going to give you that same defensive presence, maybe what he gives you on, on the offensive side or a guy you know, of that nature that's that's taking a high volume of threes at an efficient rate, it just makes sense. You know, maybe maybe a guy like Buddy Heald, Ime's more, you know, more willing to play because unlike Peyton Pritchard, he's just a little bit bigger, you know. But then again, he's not playing Neesmith, who's of a similar stature. So I don't know. I can't answer that for us anymore. And, you know, it's just something we have to we have to see play out. And hopefully that's part of Ime's growth and development as a young head coach is that he starts to get a little bit more malleable, can get a little bit more versatile in the moment and know when to make those moves and get that spacing on the court. And I think it will make a huge difference for, for our two guys, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. And I think we can leave it there for the day. I think we've kind of gone down bizarro world. We've been <laughs> we've been realists, we've been bizarros, and then we've kind of been everywhere in between. It's been fun. Uh, if you guys have been watching, if you're still watching guys and girls, then every Tuesday we will do a live stream of this podcast. If you want to listen to every episode, then it's available Monday, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. <laughs> Just search Celtics blog on your podcast uh, aggregator, Spotify, Apple, whatever. And then anything labeled Celtics pod will be myself and your boy Will here. And if Will's not here, it'll be our other co-host, Greg. Uh, if you're listening on a normal podcast player, like you do every week because you love us and we're very, very grateful, please leave those nice reviews. Hit that five star, write something nice. If you can't do that, then Will's going to tell you how word of mouth is really going to help and who you should be telling about it. You should be telling everybody, tell your mom, your dad, your aunt, your uncle, your pizza delivery guy, your Uber Eats guy, your Chinese food delivery guy. Apparently these people are eating a lot of food. Your smoothie guy. I'm drinking a smoothie right now. Got to get make sure you get some some fruits and veggies in there. But tell everybody you meet. Doesn't matter where you meet them. Just tell them, hey, Adam's cool. Will's cool. Greg's all right. No, no, Greg's cool too. Tell them to come listen to us here, man. And we always like to kick it around and do what we can here on the Celtics Blog Podcast. And for that, we will leave you until Friday. This tomorrow's, yeah, Friday. Yep. Farewell. Avida saying goodbye. Ain't disrespecting you haters. I ain't sweating your opinion. Y'all been testing my patience. Never did it for a check. I've been impressed with the famous. Just rather be creative than stressing my wages. Ageless every time I lay a verse down. One play at a time. Keep it moving like a first down. And at the end of the day, I can say that I made this. MJ never made it to the majors. Still, he chased greatness. Expected that he might fail. And I might too. I might never get to pop champagne. Celebrating with the crew. 